Hello, everybody. Welcome back to A Girl Named Charlie. And today, I'm going to continue my army journey with you. So the last we left off, I was still in Germany, right? Um, but shortly thereafter, got orders to leave and head back to the States. Um, I had put in for a specific location, basically because it was only, say, a five and a half hour drive home to where my family was. So I thought, oh, this will be great. You know, I can actually go home on long weekends and not have to plan a 30-day leave time and pay for plane tickets and all that good stuff. So off we go. Um, and this place and this experience, there's not much for me to tell you that's even worth listening to, to be honest. It was the worst. Um, only a few good things came from there. My daughter, um, I was actually pregnant with her when I got there. So she was born very soon after. Um, I did meet up with someone who her and her family became like my second family. Her and I are besties, besties. We keep in touch all the time. She still lives kind of in that area, but moved away a little bit too. But, um, a super friend. I mean, she is above all friends. Um, and one of the other cool things that did come there was, um, we, <laughs> we got to play op four, which is you non-military folks opposing forces to the officers that are going through basic military police training right so out in the field these officers are learning how to play war right and so we are their opposing forces so <laughs> there were quite a few times that we kind of waited for them to get a little closer and really give them a chance to light us up before we lit them up. But, you know, it was a lot of fun setting up ambushes and things like that and watching these people react. And um, it, it's, there were definitely some hilarious times there. Um, I also made another bestie. Um, him and I just became the best of friends. Officer Bobby, wherever you are, I hope you're listening. And um, eventually he did leave the military and he left and moved back home to Georgia and I tell you, I didn't realize how close we were until he left, and um, one of my other friends was like, what's wrong with you today? I'm like, oh my gosh, what do you think? And they're like, oh, we didn't realize you guys were those close of friends. Yeah, he was my best, best, best friend. Um, man, crazy. But there really wasn't too much else that came good from being there. Um, it was not a good experience other than being close to home. So... Um, <clears throat> Finally, the time comes I get to leave there, right? Um, so I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. Well, actually, in the beginning, I was going to Fort Shafter, Hawaii, because I called ahead and tried to get things set up to get myself into a law enforcement unit, not a combat support role. However, when I landed there and the first sergeants met me at the airport and told me, oh, sorry, you're not going there anymore. We are now moving you to this unit. You're going back into combat support. Yay! No, not yay. <laughs> so these guys, these guys are light infantry, meaning they don't have all the tanks and the APCs and all this stuff. Instead, everywhere you go, you go on foot. Yeah, I already had bad feet, but let's just make that worse. Yeah, it's, it's all good. The upside is Hawaii. There's no snow, so I didn't have to worry about that part of it. They are no, uh, what my daughter calls danger noodles. Snakes, my biggest fear, which we'll talk about in another podcast. There are none of those there, thank God, so I could actually walk through the woods without being fearful of, like, what's around me. Um, 
the the place itself i mean the base is nothing to look at but hawaii is beautiful the um the ocean the mountains the hiking trails the sunsets just it's amazing it is beautiful not a cool place to live so much just because it's extremely expensive and extremely overcrowded but otherwise i mean it's pretty cool if you like going to the beach and you like outdoor activities which i do so that part of it was cool Otherwise, let me tell you, when I got there, um, so I was an E6, female, obviously, MP, and I show up, and they assign me to a platoon where I outrank all the other E6s, so immediately get put in that first squad position, squad leader position, and oh my gosh, at the animosity, these people were so pissed, I mean, they, oh my gosh, let me tell you, being a female in the Army, and it's probably very similar in other branches as well, especially back in that day, that a female with rank on her, most people look at her and think, how'd she get that? You know, she can't be that good at this job, especially in a male-dominated field. You know, what do you think went through their mind first thing? Yeah, well, I didn't get on my knees for anybody. No. I have this rank because... I proved myself because I worked for it, because I wanted it. I wanted to be a leader. I did all the schooling. I did all the classes. I did all the training. I did everything they said I needed to do to get there. That's why I have this rank on me. But I will tell you at every corner, at every turn, they would do anything in their power to set me up for failure. So look, I had a squad of all males. I want to say there was 15, 16, somewhere right around that number, who... They had my back, you know, constantly. They had my back. They didn't understand why everyone else was trying to set us up for failure because it wasn't just me. It was my whole squad, you know. Um, I'm, we're out in the field, and, and in the middle of the night, you take turns of which squad responds to whatever comes in, you know. And it's not our turn, but they hit us up anyway. Why? Because they're setting me up for failure. The cool thing is at the end of that, time in the field that uh, we were being kind of graded and that my squad did come out with higher scores than anybody else. Ha ha, in your flipping face, dudes. Because I'm telling you, the whole time I was in the military, I always had to prove myself. And I guess it was just being a female as an MP. And back in that time, um, it was definitely a male-dominated field. So they definitely made it hard on me, no doubt about it. Um, but at that time also... I found myself in that abusive relationship that I mentioned previously. So um, at some point, our platoon was told we were going to deploy. And I was cool with it. You know, I, I feel like I trained up for this for all these years. I was ready to go. But I go home and I tell this significant other that um, this is what's happening. And he basically tells me, well, if you go, I'm going to divorce you. And I'm going to sign over custody of your girls to their father while you're gone. So you'll come home to nothing. Oh my God. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> For real. What do you do? So I went back to the company and I talked to all my leadership and was like, look, this is what I'm facing. I don't know what to do. But there is another female E6, very similar to my position in another platoon, who would gladly trade places with me and go on this deployment so I can try to take care of this family situation. I was met with a not no, but hell no. And then I was met with a, you go on this deployment or you get the, mm, out of my army. Huh. All right. All right. Where do I sign? 
because you're not going to make me decide between my career, which yes, the army was a career for me and my daughters. Really? Is that how we play this game? I'm going to have to make that decision. My daughters will win every day over everything. Nothing else can take that place. Nothing. So I got out, got out of the army. That was eight years in with every intention of staying in for 20. I got out. Shortly thereafter, my girls and I had that flight home that I discussed in a previous podcast, which I may get into another time a little more, but we left and came home. We moved home to my parents and my family where life was grand again, but uh, my army career was, was cut short because of that. I had no intention of leaving it, but there was no way I was leaving my girls either. Um, any of you parents out there, I'm sure you, you get that, but there are other people who do not have children who are, or have children, but have a wife that'll stay home and take care of the children so they can go deploy or whatever the case is. Don't quite see it the same way as I do because they have someone else there who will step in and take care of things. And I didn't have that. And it's funny. I used to tell my soldiers all the time. I was like, I need a wife at home too. Because I don't have anybody at home cooking my dinner, doing my laundry, or doing any of that stuff for me. Like, what the crap, man? I need one of those. But no, didn't have one. So anyway, that was my army story. <laughs> um, a little colorful, a little adventurous, a little crazy, a lot of scare. Um, but I will tell you, I don't regret a minute of it. It made me to be such a strong person. And I figured out who I am. I have figured out who people, other people are and how they approach me and um, how to approach them back, I guess. Um, I've made lifelong friends along the way that I will still keep in touch with to this day. I don't regret any of it. Um, it was hard, yes, but I learned so much. I mean, and nobody can take that away from me. Nobody. So, um, and that will lead into another story another day as well. I have so many stories to tell. So, um, so you guys hang tight, wait for my next, uh, episode to come out and join me again, please, as we go through this life of a girl named Charlie. <laughs>